Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy who doesn't necessarily know if he has any gambling family members. <laughs> and I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're going to have Gammonon on today, which is like the Al-Anon version of Gambling Anonymous. Uh, did I just say that right? I think so. Anyway, think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so people, family members of people who have problem gambling or struggle gambling or addictive gambling or whatever the correct way of you know humanizing that is today um because i you know i i like the the inclusive speech the nice ways to say things but yeah so we're gonna have on christine we're gonna talk about what it's like to be in gammonon what they offer what signs might tell you that you you know have a family member who has a problem or or something you want to work on and uh that's gonna be interesting yeah i uh didn't even know there was Gammonon, that's, you know, a fellowship for, I, I guess family members suffer in these addictions yeah. as much as, or probably more than the individuals <laughs> at times, because they're more innocent victims a lot of times. I mean, they have their role to play, but mm -hmm. they're caught up in the drama as much as the using person. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I think, uh, you know, gambling and addictive gambling and, you know, obviously family members of uh, people who struggle with those problems is something that we kind of disproportionately minimize. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, ah, that's not a thing. It's, it's just money. It's not their life. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting information and insight in this episode. So looking forward to having Christine on and we'll, we'll bring her on now. All right. Welcome, Christine. So we have Christine on today and she's going to tell us a little bit about Game Anon and her experience. And so we'll turn it right over to you, Christine, and let you get into that. All right. Thank you so much. Um, so I was married to a compulsive gambler and um, that's what you know took me to, to Gammonon. But um, the story really starts. So we started dating in college and um, I knew he gambled just like a lot of the guys we hung out with gambled and, and some of the girls too, probably. But, you know, they bet on sports and there was a kid in the um, basketball team who was a bookie and took the bets and you know they just kind of um was something that they they did and um when we graduated I kind of assumed that you know the going out drinking till one in the morning and the gambling and all the other things we did in college had had kind of stopped um so we we got married and um were going along fine um, and there were some occasions where, um, this was around the time the internet was just starting. So there were these, um, you know, there were a couple things that happened. There was, um, there was at one point where, um, he had won some money on a website and, um, told me that it was not anything, uh, it was free. It was, it was, a 
and I didn't understand how these things worked, but he, you know, told me it was this free site where you could just buy, you know, chances of these kind of um, um, almost like raffle things. And he had won this money. And there were little things like that that popped up over time, but I, I didn't really see a problem until um, about probably eight years later. And um, it was really cold out and it was pouring rain. And my mother-in-law called me and said, oh my God, what are you doing with your roof? If you, you know, with the leaky roof that you have, how are you, this raining so hard and, and what are you doing with the roof? And I said, what are you talking about my roof? And um, she said, well, you know, the leak, the leak. And it was this very bizarre conversation and, and she hung up and I called my husband and that's when I found out that he had told them that we had a leaky roof in order to get like 10 grand out of them to, um, to pay off a bookie. So that's kind of how things started to unravel as far as me finding out that this was going on. Um, he had uh, he had offered to take over our finances um, when I had my first daughter. You know, I, I already did everything else and, and he's good with numbers. And so, you know, that was fine with me. Take the bill. So I didn't even bother with the bills. He paid all the bills. So um, I didn't really see, you know, what was coming in and what was going out as much as I wish I had, but that was our deal. And um, so when this came to light, because I'm a very, um, a non type of person, so I'm a very, you know, controlling um, kind of person. So I got on the internet and I started searching and I found um, a therapist and I found um, GA for, you know, for him and, and Gaminon for me and, you know, started really digging into this. And um, I actually went to my first Gaminon meeting and, and kind of laid this out. And at that point, he had arranged for us to refinance our mortgage um, because there was a lot of credit card debt and, and whatever. We needed to kind of get back on track. And, you know, he was sorry and this was never going to happen again anyway. So and I was very naive and, and the whole thing. And I went in and they told me, do not refinance your house. You, you know, we need to make a plan here. Let's take this slow. You know, let's do this the right way. And um, I told them like, they don't, I don't even know if he has a problem and, um, you know, we need to take care of this. I didn't want all this debt hanging over us. Um, and, and so I didn't go back for a while and we refinanced the house and took out money to pay off these credit cards and all this. So that was in January. So fast forward by the time we hit, um, late November, early December, I was out of my mind um, you know, when you live with somebody who tells you the sky is green and the grass is blue and, and it gets very, um, I just got very confused on which way was up and what was really going on um, over the course of that year. You know, when I first found out he was gambling, it was um, only football, he told me. And then I caught him gambling on baseball and then things came home from the casino and, you know, on and on and on. So this is a series very quickly over, you know, less than a year of kind of getting the wind knocked out of me with these different revelations of things I found. And um, there were, you know, the direct deposit didn't go in and he told me that human resources had screwed up. And where was his check? And he was going to fight this, you know, all these kinds of things that happened. So by the time we were, we were at my parents for Thanksgiving and um, I could hear football on, he's in the other room and he's switching around, you know, all these games. And I was like, what are you doing? And, and, you know, 
he said I was being very paranoid because I said, I'm, I'm going back to Gamanon. I, I need help. I can't deal with this. I, I don't even know like what is happening. And oh, that would probably be good for you because you're, you know, very paranoid and you're, you're worrying about things you don't need to worry about. So um, early December, I, I went back in. And at that point I was at my bottom as far as just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I, I was done trying to figure this out and manage this and take care of him and, solve all the problems that had come up and was just like, uh, just tell me what to do. So, you know, they said the first thing was to kind of protect. We had no assets. We were negative in every account, but uh, they said, eventually there will be, you know, you will have money. So, you know, take what you have and your income that's coming in and put it somewhere safe that he can't access it. So I went into the bank and that week and was crying and, talked to the bank manager and told him, I just told him, I didn't know what, how to do this. So just told them and they helped me open an account and, you know, I could transfer one way, but not the other. And, and that's kind of um, what started it. And then learned very quickly that, you know, this was about me and my process and my ability to kind of focus on myself and live my life, no matter what he was doing. And um, yeah, that's kind of, there's a whole lot in between there, but that that's the idea. I'm sure. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, thank I, you. I think my, my first reaction is just like empathy because it sounds so tough to, to go through. You know, it's interesting, I, I guess, from the perspective of maybe society or, or at least the perspective of people who've dealt with substance abuse or, or misuse. Uh, sometimes the, the gambling aspect uh, of, you know, the addictive process or however we want to look at it is maybe a little minimized to some degree, like, oh, it's not as dangerous. And, and I don't think people understand the statistics of, of you know, the, the suicide rates. Um, and, and really just even when you get past just people dying, like there's a lot of heartbreak in, in losing all this hard earned money and, you know, you save for retirement and that ends up missing and, it's it's yeah. tragic, really. There's a lot of tragedy in gambling as well. Well, and you know what I find? That people come into Gamanon meetings a lot of times about the money. Mm. They come in with this you know, number and this money and how am I going to manage this money? And pretty quickly, they pivot to the lying because the lying is really what is the devastating thing. The money you can figure out and, and you know, work yourself back to my credit score was horrible because my name was on everything. And there was a PO box I didn't know about where credit card bills were going, where he was taking cash advances out on these credit, you know, and just all this stuff. But the lying is what really, I think, devastates people and is so hard to, to deal with that complete, you know, broken trust. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So what does Gamanon identify as necessarily the the problem for people who need Gamanon? Like what is, you know, for, for I guess for uh, Narcotics Anonymous or something, it's like, oh, well, addiction's your problem. And Alcoholics Anonymous says, you know, alcohol is your problem. Like what, or alcoholism, uh, what is the problem? For, it, it, do they go to codependency? Is that what they refer to or... So I think a lot of the Anon programs, so Gamanon, Al-Anon, Naranon, you know, there's a, there's a lot of them now. Um, it is support for the family member who's trying to deal with an addiction. Mm. So for Gamanon, you know, it's a, it's a loved one or a family member who is trying to um, live a life involved with somebody who has a gambling addiction. 
It's it's so interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I I guess to frame it like that, it's a little fascinating to me because I feel like that's kind of what you know the other Anons will say too. And yet, once you know, because I'm more familiar with Al Anon and Nar Anon, once you get in there. The be- it's not what people think it is walking in. Like they think they're going to go in and figure out how to <laughs> deal with this other person. And yet yeah, it's yeah. really a process of, of self yeah, in those self-work. programs. It really is about looking at yourself, um, dealing with the issues that are making it worse for yourself. So mm. a lot of us are jumping into this problem the second we see a crisis trying to solve it trying to and and people are living their lives for the addict you know they're they're investing so much time and energy and and frankly it's usually wasted time and energy Mm. because you know for me i was trying to solve problems that weren't even the real problems because i only knew 20 percent of the truth anyway so here i was dealing with things that didn't even really weren't the truth of what was happening anyway so um, and it's, and, and, you know, the addict always seems to be able to be a step ahead, mm-hmm. probably because they're dealing with, you know, what's really happening and we're, you know, playing catch up. But, um, I think that it, it really is about helping you to be able to live a, a peaceful, serene life, even if that person is continuing <clears throat> to, you know, act in their addiction and if they go into recovery, it's, you know, helping to understand that whole process too. You know, we have people who come into Gammonon and, and I felt this way too. Like you said, you want to come in, how are we going to fix this? It's been two months. Why is he still lying to me or acting like this? You know, like, let's go grow up. Um, and it, it helps to support people through what is a very long process and, and, and is not logical. So I think a lot of a non people, you know, we, we come to it as, all right, this, the, and this is why we try to help the addict. It's only reasonable. If you do this, you lose, don't do it. You lose money. Why would you go and do it again? You know, you're, you're missing that piece of the addiction, the, the compulsion, whatever, because we don't think that way. So, you know, we partly are giving people an education about what this really is that you're dealing with and what you need to do to, first protect yourself and second to live a peaceful life and not you know live on the you can call it a roller coaster you can call it a tornado whatever you want to call it that that addiction is doing not to keep jumping into it and and living it along with the addict it's interesting you you said there uh we don't have that piece and maybe this is more of a personal question than a gammonon stance question but I, i'm curious do you find that after doing some work that there is a little bit of the piece of obsession and compulsion for you as well. Like, is that, Oh, but you're obsessed and compulsion about something a little different, like the, the fixing or the controlling of it. So I've heard people say I'm a compulsive enabler <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it really, you know, and that feeling of the other person is struggling and having to kind of sit on my hands to not jump in and interfere, mm. you know, um, and not treat a grown person like a child mm. that I need to come in and solve it and not, you know, it's a relearning it. So there definitely is. And, and you know, even after all these years, we are who we are. And I, you know, my natural tendency is still to help people. I mean, you know, you have to learn like what is actually helpful and what in the end is not helpful. Um, you know, when when somebody's coming and asking you for money to to pay a bookie, 
or they have this giant credit card debt and want you to pay it off. You know, it's it's kind of that short-term view and the long-term view. What's what's really helpful? Is it helpful for me just to eliminate this debt for that person? And now they can go back out and do whatever they were doing. In fact, they're an even better customer now for that bookie because they can pay off that debt really quickly, you know. So it's it's kind of relearning what it means to help this person. And sometimes that means really detaching from their their problems. They're, you know, and letting them figure it out and solve it themselves and, and work with their program to um, to figure out how to solve these things. I, I got to say, I'm fascinated because uh, I, I had the feeling coming into this, if somebody would have said, oh, what do you think the suggestions are in Gammonon? Um I probably would have said, and I'm sure this is, you know, a little different for everybody, but I probably would have said, well, I would imagine if their partner continued the the behavior, the suggestion would probably be to like get a divorce and have a retirement, right? At some point. And the way you stated it in your story, it didn't feel like that was even on the table uh, as a suggestion. It felt more like, hey, if my partner keeps doing that, that's that's their business. I just need to protect me. So my partner kept doing it and I, we did get divorced um, in the end. But as far as Gammonon, the support is there no matter which way I decided to go. Mm-hmm. And I changed week to week, you know, for a while um, and day to day um, what I wanted to do. And and I work with women all the time who are, are figuring this out. And we always say, we're there to support you no matter what. The goal is, no matter if you stay with him or you leave him, in the end, you're better off and you're a more whole person and you can have peace within yourself and, and you know, um, live the kind of life that is about fulfilling your own, <laughs> you know, wants and desires and, and needs and everything and that you're safe and, and happy, yeah. When you went to Gammonon, were you in like a, a major metropolitan area or are you kind of like in the outskirts in a rural town or? So I'm in the suburbs and, and you know, this has been something with COVID where we, Gammonon is not as um, available as some of the other programs, you know, the Al-Anons um, especially have, have such a presence in every state. Um, Gammonon is not as big. Uh, it's a lot newer. And, um, you know, for whatever other reasons, um, there, it's not as available as, as some of the other 12-step um, fellowships for, for family members. So with COVID, we've been able to have all of these uh, virtual meetings now where um, people from all over the country, you know, can, can get on and, and meet people and, and get the support. Um, no matter where they live, no matter if they have little kids and can't afford a babysitter, you know, all the barriers that were there before, it's, it's really been an amazing thing. You know, I think we miss a little bit with the face-to-face and I encourage people as meetings start to open up. And if you can do that, I think it's, it's good to do also, but we've been able to be there for people who would have had to drive, you know, a ridiculous amount of hours to get to a meeting. Uh, And Billy, feel free to tap me on the leg and jump in whenever you're ready. Uh, (laughs) One of the things I was curious about, what I've noticed about Al-Anon and Naranon, uh, more specifically, is in more metropolitan areas, there's a lot more meetings, um, and there tends to be a bigger focus on this 12-step kind of idea of recovery, whereas when you see these meetings in more rural areas, 
they tend to feel more like support groups and, and not that that's a bad thing. Like I still think they're doing a great thing, but I I've noticed that the shift kind of moves away from the 12 steps um, to some extent. So I was curious what that's like in Gammonon. Is that like a hardcore thing? Like the steps are the answer or is it like, ah, that's a piece of it, but we do a lot of other stuff too. So I don't know about geographically because I only know, you know, mm -hmm. my area, the things that I've done. Um, however, I do know people in other fellowships and I think it's like everywhere else. There are people in Gammonon who are just there to, to tell, to, you know, unload each week and kind of tell their story and um there are people who really embrace the process more and want the um process of going through the steps and you know we do um every meeting at least that i participate in um we read through the 12 steps and we we talk about a different one um each week in a little more detail and then there is you know step work that is done in a meeting um, with a sponsor, you know, independently, that type of thing. Um, we do have a 12 step workbook that, um, you know, can help facilitate that for people. And, um, you know, for it's, even though we didn't have the addiction that necessarily, you know, brought us in, it's still a process of looking at how we how we act in the world and how we interact with people and, and you know, where we've, gone um away from you know from where we want to be and and how we can come back and and all of that and and the spirituality piece you know i'm glad you brought this up because yes the 12 steps and the and god and the spirituality piece are an important part of it too um i think that's really um a lot for brand new people who are just thinking about you know coming in to to a bigger process but um the it's absolutely based on I mean, talk about being out of control. It's not even you. <laughs> you know, the problem is is just completely, you have to just admit you're powerless and, and then work on, you know, the pieces um, that you have some control over, like the serenity prayer. <laughs> right. It, it was fascinating to hear in Al-Anon that people have like their minds blown sometimes because when they realize that their life is controlled by drinking and they're like, well, I never drank. And they're like, yeah, but your life is still controlled by <laughs> <Yeah>. alcohol. <Right. laughs> and that's fascinating. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that same way? Like your life was controlled by gambling? Yes. Yes. Huh. And you know, when I came into gambling, my, I, my two older kids were very little and I was missing stuff. You know, I was, I was so wrapped up in, in his, drama and problems and, and whatever that I was, I was missing stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was giving the gift to be able to kind of focus on what was important, you know, and, and it's like everybody, it's always a struggle to not get, even now, you know, you have work, you have things, but, but to really focus on um, the present and the here and now and, and what's going on today. And, you know, those lessons are valuable well beyond the interactions um, with the gambler for sure. When you were mentioning the the spirituality and the step guide, I, all I could think of was eight and nine, and I'm like, "What the hell did they have to apologize for?" <laughs> but but then when you just said the piece about yeah. like the family interactions you were missing and stuff like that, that kind of makes a little more sense. Could you talk a little more about that eighth and ninth? Though I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people isolate when you're dealing with something so bizarre and, mm -hmm. and so embarrassing or whatever you're putting, you know, label you're putting on or how you're feeling. 
Um, we don't want to tell people that uh, the person we chose to marry or our son or our daughter or whoever is, is out stealing or, or, you know, went through our, our dresser last night and took money to go out and, and gamble with. And so um, we, a lot of people tend to isolate uh, make excuses. Um, and some people, you know, feel like we turn into liars ourselves because we don't want to, we don't want this to be our reality. So, you know, making excuses why we can't go to this or that and, and you know, those kinds of things. So that's a piece of it um, that comes from just the enabling the other person. Certainly our children, you know, people have spent years and years um, while their kids are growing up focusing on the gambling, fighting about the gambling, um, you know, all the different pieces that come with that. Um, and, and part of the whole process is understanding our role. And, and certainly, I mean, one of the reasons I didn't go back to that very first Gammon program uh, meeting is because they told me I was as sick as him. Hmm. And I was like, Ooh. oh no, yeah. oh no, I am. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what he did? You know, so, um, and, and I think that's a little harsh for a brand new person, but it, it was true. It was true, especially then. My head was all over the place and um, I was running in 20 different directions and getting nothing done and then missing out on, you know, on the, the important stuff. So, um, yes, yeah, so we have our own <laughs> issues, no doubt that and, and it impacts other people. And sometimes it's job stuff. I mean, people, you know, it, it's the same as the addict. Sometimes we're not. Um, doing what we're supposed to be doing because we're running around fixing that problem or, you know, um, it, 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 there's a big ripple effect for, for everybody involved. That's so fascinating that somebody said that to you. I mean, I agree. It's probably very true, but I'm like, can't you wait till like meeting 10 to say that? That's a yeah, little yeah. harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably because I was arguing with them. Uh -huh. I, I was not just... <laughs> when it was, like I said, by the time I went back later that year, I was so just, done that I, I, I had no fight in me. I had no, you know, um, but, but it's a natural tendency, especially when you're enabling kind of personality, you know, you want to kill this person, but somebody else starts saying something bad and you're throwing your body in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a common um, piece to try to defend them and then get lost in that instead of focusing on why you're there. I feel like in our society, uh, you know, Drug misuse or substance misuse is really easily identifiable, right? Oh, you're using yeah. substances that are illegal. Well, that's obviously bad, right? I think alcohol misuse tends to get a little harder to see, but I think even further, gambling addiction would probably be one of the hardest to recognize. I mean, just thinking about it myself, I was like, well, does does bingo count like uh, does you know people go to casinos is it only online what about fantasy football betting what about and then uh billy just said this morning you know lottery and scratch offs and i'm like christ i forgot all about that right like, my mom does a lot of scratch offs is she a gambling <laughs> addict so what kind of ways would you really be sure that your loved one was struggling with a gambling addiction versus just what's acceptable in our society yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And um, first of all, Gavinon has no opinion on gambling. So if people want to go get, you know, we're not anti-gambling. That's, that's an adult, you know, if you're of legal age, that's something you can do. And I think looking at the parallels with drinking helps people to understand. So the problem comes in when it starts to impact the daily, you know, day-to-day -day life responsibilities and activities. 
So you're missing out on family events or you're missing work. That's an obvious kind of, you know, problem. Um, you're borrowing money. So you're using money you don't have. You're borrowing money in order to gamble because, you know, you're, you're going beyond your means in order to do this. Um, you know, there is a list. There's a list of um, 20 um, situations, I guess, you know, to, that people can look at on the Gamma website that says, you know, are you living with a compulsive gambler? And it's it's those kinds of those kinds of um, events. So, you know, if, if bill collectors are, are calling um, because of the gambling, if, you know, the, the hiding, um, if you as a gam as a as the spouse or the mother or the parent or who sibling or whatever, you know, feel the need to go through the person's wallet and, and check up on money and, and, you know, spending and those things. Like all of these are kind of red flags. Um, and any one thing could be, you know, something else. But when you start ticking off the list of many, many different red flags, then, you know, it indicates that this has gone beyond just what the average person can do. You know, people can go into a casino and they come in with $100. And when they spend their $100, they're gone. Or if they win, they take it and they leave, you know, whereas a person who has a problem will hit the ATM machine a couple more times, call somebody for some more money, win a bunch of money, and then gamble that all away. And, you know, this, it's just a different way of interacting with the activity. Um, that's, that's just not how, you know, uh, somebody without the addiction would, would act. Right. But that interfering with your daily, uh, daily um, relationships and activities is probably the biggest. Okay. And we'll be sure to put a link up to that, that questionnaire in the show notes for this. So anybody can easily go take that. Uh, I'm curious. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Do you find in your experience that people in Gammonon tend to shy away from any gambling or do they have a healthy relationship with it or not really any indication either way? So everybody's different and everybody comes in with a different story and, and history. Um, I mean, I've seen people who dealt with this for you know, 25 years with the spouse and they want nothing to do with it. And I know people who still, you know, have a trip they do every year to Vegas with their girlfriends and they still go do that. They don't bring him, but you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I think everybody's, um, I will tell you personally for myself, um, I don't have an issue with it so much, but when I see the extremes, then that bothers me, you know, and I think we have our own triggers just like everybody else. And, and it's different for everybody. Um, and there's different kinds of betting. A lot of compulsive gamblers will bet on anything they can, but, you know, some people are mostly 
the horse track or, um, you know, casinos or sports betting. Um, and then they'll, you know, and then some people just do everything. So, or lottery, like you said, or bingo. I mean, I know somebody who, um, the, the, spouse is at the bingo hall every night till 2 a.m 3 a.m you know it's it, that's that's again when it becomes extreme and you're not home and you're not able to do the things you need to do for your family because that other love is coming first <laughs> <laughs> I, it's always fascinating to me especially in 2022 to hear the horse track because it's something that has never been a part of my life and so i'm always like people really go do that stuff <laughs> Well, and what's, you know, the way things have changed over the years. Um, so when I first came into Gaminon, like I said, the, the it, it's been a while. So technology was different. And then we didn't all have smartphones. And But the more things have evolved with technology, you can, well, there's usually an OTB channel on most cable stations. First of all, you can watch the horse race from anywhere. Um, and then, you know, the same with the the ability to bet on things, you know, has gotten easier and easier um, because you don't have to leave your house anymore. Right. Right. So what would be some signs once you're like, say I went to a Gaminon meeting and I needed some assistance. What do I look for in the people that I want guiding me? Like what kind of signs show that you're sort of maybe in this healing recovery process of dealing with your partner and what signs might be like, Oh, hey, that person's really not doing anything quite yet. So I think part of the whole process of going through um, a fellowship like Gaminon is learning to trust your gut. Mm. I think that's part of what gets us in trouble to begin with is things are happening that don't seem right. And we're believing ridiculous stories or making excuses or whatever. At least in my case, that's that's what happens. Um, you know, ignoring these red flags. Um the, so I think, you know, people that you feel, especially in the beginning, people you feel comfortable with, people you identify with, um, I don't think, you know, we, I think like anything, it's a little different when you're a parent versus a spouse, although the behaviors of um, the addict are the same, um, you know, it, there's some other some for some people, I think it's a little um, the challenges are a little different um, because one you're relying on them for income and one year they're your child, you know, and there's just different pieces. So some people choose to, um, you know, look for a sponsor or reach out to people who've had similar life experiences. Um, that's one way. But I, I think it's mostly just people that you're comfortable with and who sound um serene who sound comfortable <laughs> in their own life who are um truthful you know um i had people give me some hard truths um i can remember being in meetings and and laying out this crazy story and saying but what could i do there, there's nothing i could do what could i do and people would say you could do this you could have done this you could have done that and i'd be like oh my god i could it didn't even occur to me you know i was so wrapped up in him and his version of things that so that learning to detach and learning to think for myself and all that takes somebody who's going to be really honest with me um and reflecting back you know the nonsense sometimes that i'm spouting out as as like to clarify do you realize it's the same thing you've said three weeks it's a different situation but this is the same story you know um because that happens right uh, it's interesting, I, I guess, um, 
I don't know how this goes for everybody. I'm sure there's a little personalized difference, but I'm picturing that if I was married to an alcoholic, say, and I went to Al-Anon and, and I, you know, was working on myself or whatever, and then I ended up divorcing my alcoholic partner and not having that in my life anymore, I feel like my inclination might be, well, I don't need Al-Anon anymore, but yeah. you have related, you know, divorcing your partner at some point, and yet you're still in Gaminon. Do you want to talk a little about yeah. that? So for me, 90% of that is about 12-step kind of, you know, the piece. People were... Hmm. That's okay. Take your time. People were so good to me and and gave so much time and energy and... I would call them at work, <laughs> you know, and um, it's such a it's such a hard um, thing to go through, and a lot of times you feel so alone, you know. I had I had threats of bookies coming here to break his legs, which honestly, by that point, I was like, go ahead. <laughs> um, but you know, I had his mother saying, "Oh no, no." can't you have to do something you have to do something you know so at each point there were different um issues but you know we, i had i had you know like i said bill collectors calling i had um checks taken out of the middle of the checkbook so it wouldn't notice along with the carbon copy you know i couldn't find my deed at one point because he'd given it to some i had to register my daughter for kindergarten couldn't find the deed like i've had these things happen that most people um can't imagine so to be able to share that or when someone tells a story like that just say oh yeah 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 that sounds about right you know and the lying kind of stuff I mean we were gonna sue Citibank because they took his check they didn't take his check he went and cashed it at some you know uh check cashing place and just the things that you know happen that are so unrelatable I think to most people mm -hmm. So to be able, so, so that's a big part of why I still do this. Um, when COVID started, I actually worked with somebody else and we opened a, um, a virtual only room. So a lot of rooms moved to virtual, but this is a virtual only room that I hope to keep going even once places open in person. And it's going back to that, you know, there's areas of the country. You know, my hope is then a lot of these people in the pockets of the country where there aren't any in-person meetings will start a meeting also. Mm. So there'll be that resource. And it's a way to kind of spread the access um, around. And then, you know, like I said, the other piece of it is I am who I am. I still have my tendencies. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me, um, you know, I, I have children with this person. So we, I still deal with them. Um, there's still crazy things that happen around, you know, I'm not involved in a day to day, but he's my, the father of my kids. So there's that piece. Um, and, and I also remember somebody saying to me one time, if you, you, you know, if you don't take care of yourself and heal yourself, you're going to end up with another version of him, mm. you know? So that kept me going for, you know, for a long time too, is just, I needed to know who I was and what, yeah, and find my own voice and my own, you know, self before I um, got sucked into that again. Because there's obviously something there that right. <laughs> attracted me. When I look back at people, I was like, I was always with a crazy person for one reason or another. <laughs> yeah. When you look at the official uh, Game Anon literature, 
and, and I know you've used the word enabling some, does, does enabling and codependency, like, do those words pop out in the official literature? Like, how do you, how does the literature describe your dilemma or your, what you're going through? Yeah, I don't remember seeing codependency anywhere, although it's certainly an issue and people read their own books and have their own, you know, go to therapy and, and do things to deal with that. Um, and they're very intertwined a lot of times. Um, the, the enabling piece and the control piece are the two that pop out a lot um, because it's just such a um, combination of attributes that make us a good match, you know, for someone who doesn't want to take responsibility or, you know, we allow or we enable the other person to, to have the time and the resources to go and spend, you know, do, on that, it, you know, on their addiction, because we are a lot of times taking care of the, you know, A to Z and, and scheduling and, and fixing and, and all the other pieces. So those are the two things that I hear out of people's mouths a lot. And, um, and I see in the literature. Hmm, okay. The control piece is, is big <laughs> and it's a false, it's a false thing. It's not real. We don't have control, but you want to control. So you jump in deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. A lot of the other you know, twelve-step type fellowships and programs we interact with—they they create a sense of fellowship. I mean, there's even the idea—not so much in the twelve-step fellowship, but the idea that like isolation is part of addiction. And you mentioned isolation earlier a little bit, and that this you know bringing back to community and connection is part of the solution. But I feel like those programs and fellowships, you know, uh, rely heavily on that, and and, and almost I want to say. <laughs> Not always, but a lot of times, kind of your whole environment revolves around people that are also in that program, right? I, I generally am only friends with other people who used to use substances that are now in recovery. I, I'm curious, is there that same sense in Gamanon or like are a lot of your friends from that program now or do you also have, you know, normal or typical friends as well? <laughs> Um, I, I think it's a very individual, I have seen, I've seen that happen for sure. Um, and what happens a lot actually too, is you'll have couples. So a lot of people who are in GA and Gaminon together hanging out. So, you know, they have the person GA and the person in Gaminon with other, you know, people who are involved in those um, fellowships. Uh, but I absolutely have made very good friends who I see outside of, you know, Gamina meetings that will go have dinner to get, I mean, this is all like, you know, when we could go have dinner at a restaurant, right. but, um, you know, or, or people will have parties and have people over to their houses, just a friendly, you know, social event that absolutely happens. Okay. Does Gaminon have the same sort of uh, special events that other places might have? Like, uh, you know, if you go to a 12-step fellowship, a lot of times there's like, well, we have dances or softball groups or coffee meetups or conventions even. Do, does Gaminon have any of that? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've done some conferences um, alongside GA. So it'll be a, um, you know, a, a weekend conference where you'll have both GA speakers and Gaminon speakers, and then you'll have some individual meetings for each and some workshops that are open to everybody. And, um, and then some that are, you know, some activities that are Gaminon only, you know, certainly, um, 
yeah, we, we did, you know, different, like some of them are, are social, some of them are more. Um, so we have uh, unity offices, you know, at the local level, and then ISO is the international office. So sometimes even as a fundraiser, you know, there'll be those kinds of like, you're talking about some of the other kinds of activities that that'll happen. Okay. So typically, and, and this definitely changes from area to area, depending on how populated it is, uh, and, and maybe some other 12-step fellowships, there's kind of a typical meeting outline to some extent. I, I know it varies a little bit, but what could someone expect if they were walking into a Gaminon meeting and they were kind of nervous about it? What would it really look like for that hour? Is it an hour? I should say that. <laughs> it depends. It depends. I've seen all different you know, times. Uh, yeah, ranging anywhere from an hour. I've even seen two hours. You know, Ooh. it just depends. Um, the uh, so the outline, and I would encourage anyone um, try to get there on time for the beginning because you get a chance to. Um, they're they're probably going to ask you, you know, if this is your first meeting, and then so they can make sure you have um, a book to read from. A lot of times they'll give you a newcomer's packet, which just has some papers, literature, you know, that you can take home and read through. Um, that explains some of the basic principles of Gammonon and and um, what to expect. And then um, every meeting I've been to, then we do some readings out of our, a book um, that, again, just pretty much outlines and reminds us all of um, what is Gammonon. And, and um, we read through um, some suggested points and uh, the 12 steps and uh, talk about anonymity and, and just some of those basic foundation pieces um, at the beginning. And then um, there's usually a topic and the person chairing the meeting usually picks a topic. Sometimes it's a more of a speaker meeting, but I don't see those as much as Gammonon. It's usually a topic. And then everyone, you know, speaks on their own experience about that topic. And if you're brand new, you can certainly just talk about, they're just going to let you talk about why you're there and what happened and, and, you know, what brought you there. And then after you speak about why you're there, um, people will give suggestions. Most Gaminon meetings I've been to are uh, comment meetings. So people can um, make a few suggestions, ask a few clarifying questions. Um, in the very beginning, they'll likely talk, you know, focus on, on the protection piece um, to put some of those things in place right away. Make sure you're, you know, not leaving your credit card out, not, you know, the things that can put you at, at further risk, um, run a credit report on yourself, some of those kinds of pieces, just to start to get a picture of what's really going on. And then, um, and then that's it. Then they'll usually give you a few phone numbers um, because, you know, things don't just happen once a week, stuff comes up and then there are people you can reach out to. Um, and, and one of the things that we talk about to a lot of people, and I definitely needed the message was, um, you can tell the other person, you don't have to answer them right away, I guess is the point. So when, you know, a lot of times the addict, everything's very urgent and, and it, you know, it needs to happen right now. You need to give me an answer. I need to know it's that pressure. It's that, and one of the ways we can start to get our, um, ourselves back is to say, you know what, I need to think about it. Let me call somebody. I'll get back to you. You know, those kinds of things. So you start to work on your own timeline instead of that other person's. Um, and I know that's not probably what you asked, but yeah, that those are, those are, that's kind of what you can expect. That's the basics. Okay. That's awesome. How would someone, I mean, I'm trying to ask this because I feel like it's a slightly different question than how do you know your partner has a problem? 
how would someone know for sure that this is where they needed to go per se? Like if they're thinking about it. Right. Well, and, and to go back actually to do they have a problem piece, I, I've seen this with especially with parents a lot, because a lot of times then the, the gambler is younger, hasn't done the state, you know, a lot of times a spouse, there's some bigger damage and, and problems with it with a child who's maybe 18, 20, you know, 24, it, it can be a little bit um, and, and they're the parents. And so some there are people who come and say, I don't know if they have a problem. I don't know if I should be here. And what we say is, you know, Give it some time. Ideally, give it 90 days, come back and, and get an education. What's the worst that's going to happen? And if they don't have this problem, you've learned and you know what to watch out for and, and you know, whatever. Um, and, and the same with spouses or any other family member. I mean, we've had girlfriends who are like, should I get married to this person? We've had, you know, cousins and, and siblings and and um, all kinds of relationships. Um, so it's really it's really for anybody who's trying to deal with this, but it's okay if you don't know for sure if it's a problem and you don't know if you should be there, that's okay. And you can say that and, and just listen and, and, and get an education on that piece. Um, as far as your question about, is it the right thing for me? Look, it's a volunteer kind of deal. It's you come and if you're feeling better at the end and you did at the beginning, you know, that for me was, I always left there feeling better. So even though every problem didn't get resolved and it was something would smack me upside the head, you know, the next day, and I always felt better. And I had people to reach out to who would support me and who understood, you know, if you call a family member or a friend and say, you know, he just did this and did this or told me this, their, their advice might not be as informed with, you know, dealing with a, with a gambler and, the lies and some of the other pieces that come with it. So I had people I could call who already knew that I didn't have to explain the whole backstory and reasoning and, and all the other pieces that came along with it. So, um, but I would say the same thing, give it a little time. I mean, I told you, I went into a meeting and like, was like, a, they want me to cut off my nose and spite my face. I, what do they know? You know, but by the time I went back, I was ready. And that's what has to happen. Sometimes, sometimes you're not ready. It's not easy. Because, you know, we don't sit around and bash the gambler or we don't solve the problem of the gambling. You know, people are looking for usually one of those two things. And um, it's, it's about looking inside, which is really not an easy process. Um, but, you know, I feel like I have matured so much thanks to Gaminon, figured out who I am and what I want and, you know, and, and, and can be helpful to other people and all the things that it's given me, you know, it's, um, it, you know, it's not about him anymore. It's not about the gambling anymore mm -hmm. and mine, but, but yeah, just, I guess you give it a chance and there's no reason you can't find other resources at the same time. You know, we have people who also go to individual therapy, couple therapy, you know, different things, but, um, there are tools that, um, that Gaminon can offer, um, especially that just, you know, somebody who's been there before. Did you tell the girl who was thinking about getting married to run? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she got a dose of reality. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so I'm assuming, and, and I'll ask the question anyway, but I am assuming that since you are still a, a member of the program that there's no graduation or there's no ending to it or there's no like, oh, I figured this out. I don't need this anymore. No, no, there's no, it's a... I mean, what's the saying about when you're finally done working on yourself, you're 
<laughs> that's the end. I don't know how, but there's, you know, it's that idea. I mean, there's always room for improvement. We are, we, you know, we are who we are. We can work on those different, you know, characteristic pieces about ourselves that we don't, you know, I still tend to fall into peacemaking, not wanting to rock the boat, you know, and, and that's okay. Sometimes, um, you know, I say I was the kid that every teacher loved because I went along with the rules. I took care of it. You know, I, I did these things, but those same qualities then put me into positions where I just didn't say, you know, get out of here or figure it out yourself or, you know, some of the kind of healthier things um, that would have happened. So. Okay. And just, just to clarify, you had said, uh, if you come in and you're not sure, give it some time. And you were talking about like maybe 90 days, you mean while attending, right? Like you're not saying like, go away and give it some time and then come back. You're saying stick it out and learn some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Come, come, you know, try to go to at least one meeting. Um, it's nice to find a meeting you go back to regularly because people get to know you and you get to know them. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a a great way, but there's lots of, uh, you know, if you go to a meeting and it doesn't, the, the, doesn't feel like it doesn't click with you and it doesn't feel like the right match. There's lots of others um, that you can, you know, go for me. I find that when I go to different Gamma meetings, it's very similar, same story and same people. And, um, you know, a lot of same situations and just different, you know, different faces, but a lot of the same. Um, and, and, you know, I just love the energy of, of people supporting each other and being there for each other. And yes, but yes, give it not, you know, come for a few months, come and, and, and listen and see if, you know, where you are at the end of it and then do what make, makes sense for you. And no one's ever going to tell you what you have to do. Hmm. It's all suggestions based on our own experience of how we handled a certain situation and you can take it or you can leave it. And just because I divorce the compulsive gambler does not mean you will. And if you don't, then, you know, we'll look at how you can do that in a way that you can still stay healthy. And you mentioned like suggestions and clarifying questions, which to me, like set off these alarms in my head. That's crosstalk. We don't do that. Right. Because, you know, in in my particular fellowship, we generally don't have crosstalk, but it sounds like that's kind of encouraged or allowed in Gaminon. Yeah, so we allow comments. Um, not, I mean, there are there are likely Gaminon meetings that don't, but everyone I've been to allows comments. So after somebody shares, uh, people around the room are allowed to make comments. The comments should be from their own experience with a similar situation. So it's not really giving advice. It's sharing, oh, you know what? That happened to me. And I tried this and I tried that. And this is what finally, you know, helped me to, to deal with it or, or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, every Gamma meeting I've been to is allowed comments, at least a regular meeting. That's not like an open, you know, speaker meeting kind of thing. Right. Do you find that the membership skews uh, more towards females in Gamma? It it does, in my experience. Although, you know, my current meeting that I have online, um, we do have a husband, we do have a brother, we do have a f- quite a number of fathers. Mm. So it's not all. Um, and I think it's changing too. Um, over And it's hard because online is different now than when we were in person. But when we were in person, we usually had one man, you know, maybe a father or a husband at a time, you know, people come and go. But um there's there's more now where I am. So I don't know if that's the times changing or just the access of the online. Mm. Um, 
I got to be honest. I, I never even pictured the parents. Uh, it, for, I don't know why. Like, that's such a huge thing in Al-Anon and Naranon, yeah. and yet it never occurred to me that, like, younger kids were struggling with gambling, honestly. So that's fascinating to me. Well, and that was probably going to be one of my questions I thought of is as we've seen this uh, – I don't know what you want to call it, easier access to gambling. Mm. Have you seen any changes in, uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to identify the problems of gambling, but the folks coming into Gammonon looking for help, has that changed since access to gambling is so easy nowadays? Yeah. And I mean, I've seen more parents over the years and I don't know, you know, I can't say that that's any kind of correlation. Um, I know there's all kinds of research out there and resources for if a parent wants to find out those numbers, um, you know, the, the number of kids. Um, and I mean, I say kids, sometimes they are under 18, sometimes they're college age kids. We see a lot of, I see a lot of that personally, parents of college age kids or, you know, that kind of time frame. Um, and, and, you know, back to your point of how normalized it can be, you know, I, I think people see gambling as a much more, you know, a le less harmful activity for, for teenagers or for younger people. So they might be okay with a poker game in their basement or a, you know, their kids um, participating in the boxes for the Super Bowl pool or some of these other things that happen where they wouldn't give their kid a drink or, you know, something, but they would allow them to participate in the gambling. Um, but, you know, it's definitely, I, what I can say I've seen is um, more and more people who are, you know, you can use your phones now for anything. You could place a bed with a bookie on your phone. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you don't have to go into the OTB or, you know, meet the guy around the corner or whatever used to happen. Um, it's just, yeah. So the accessibility is there for everybody now. It's easier. You can move money around so much easier. You know, just everything is easier now as far as access. I, I almost laughed when you said you got the calls about people coming to your house to break his legs because I was like, oh my God, that seems so 1940s mobsterish. I was like, that sounds like a story I would make up to have someone call for me to get more money. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and it's a really hard thing. And, and you can never tell somebody, don't worry. That's just something he probably made up. Sometimes right. it is some, you know, who knows, who knows? I mean, we all, I, I have experience with different bookies. Um, not my experience, but having, <laughs> right. you know, they're, that they're coming, they're going to get him fired. They're going to whatever. I never, I still don't know what was true and what wasn't true. Yeah. It's gotta so. be so tough. Worried about the, care of someone you love and, and not being able to know what's real and what's fantasy. And I, and I imagine that's probably a big part of the struggle you felt. You talk about the lying being the big piece, like what life am I really living? I don't know. Right. That's so scary. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there's a good trick that I think addicts or people that lie use and they give you when you find out something or you figure out something, they give you 20% of the truth. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, now I know. Well, there's all this other stuff, but you, you, you relax, you let down your guard because you feel like they've been honest. And so it's this, it's a really, um, it, it can really mess with your, your head as far as, like you said, knowing what's, what's really happening. And, you know, we tell people, you know, I, I've heard people say, oh, but I know he's, he's stopped gambling now. I know he hasn't gambled since this date. And you don't know, you, you right. just don't know. Because like you said, you know, you don't smell it on people. You don't. And a lot of times somebody who's lived that life for a long time gets really good at 
at lying and, and can look you in the eye. And I think this is when we go back to that heartbreak piece of people who, you know, start worrying about the money and then get to the lying piece. It's like, how can this person look me in the eye and tell me, oh, no, that wasn't me. Oh, no, I didn't, you know, or whatever. And just it's not true. So. I'm being quiet because we can't, uh, if we laugh out loud or make noise, we can't hear you on Zoom, but yeah. I am dying inside that you can't smell it on people. <laughs> that's hilarious. I've never thought about it, but that's funny. You can't really, like, you have to have access to the to the books to yeah, know to the money. what's going on with this to some extent. I mean, I, there, there are people in Gammonon who will tell you they can tell when the person's gambling and mm. tell when the person's lying, and I think people get tells you know but um and, and certainly there's a personality change in a lot of people right. um where the, you know these outbursts of anger or things that just don't make sense can mm -hmm. be a red flag but you, you just you, you don't know what's going on with somebody else if they don't want you to know then you can't be sure that you know that what's really happening it's so interesting that they have a tell sign, right? Like, <laughs> like maybe they get more anxious or agitated or whatever. But like, when I think of gambling, I think of like poker and having a tell being yeah, a bad right. thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe they shouldn't be gambling if they have a tell. <laughs> so what would be the best place if somebody was ready to explore Gammonon? Should they go to the Gammonon website? Is that like the best place to find a meeting and find information about it? Yeah, there's information there um, that you can you can certainly read through and, and get more, you know, uh, of an idea of what it's all about. Those 20 questions are on there um, and there's a packet for newcomers on there that's available to download, you know, for anybody. Um, and then uh, there's also a list of meetings. So you can either sort by your location and look for an in-person meeting or there are a number of um I think the last time I looked, there were like 30 some uh, virtual meetings. So pretty much every day of the week, different time zones. Um, and I know for mine, we have people from both Canada and the U.S. Um, who come on. And but yeah, all over, all over the country, all over the world. Um, that's accessible to anybody now. And and whatever you come in with, whatever story you have to tell, that's people there have heard it before. <laughs> and they can they can um, start to, you know, start to give you some support. That's awesome. And we will definitely have the link to that website in the, the show notes as well. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out through the contact us on that page and just really wanted to talk to somebody, is that an okay thing to do? Like if they're not ready to go to an actual meeting, if that feels a little too much? Yeah, absolutely. And there are hotlines. Sometimes there are local um, hotlines as well. But you can certainly call, um, you know, the, the Gammonon office that's on the site. There are pro uh, programs available. So, for example, if you lived in a part of the country where there were no meetings prior to COVID, when we had online meetings. There, there was a letter writing, you know, opportunity for people. People shared, you know, um, that way. And then, yeah, and then they can help to connect you to, um, you know, to whatever else you're looking for. That's so awesome. Did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share, Christina? No pressure if you don't. It's okay. <laughs> I would just say that if you think there might be an issue, that, that there might be a problem, then something's going on. And it's worth uh, coming, you know, go to a gamut on meeting, see, like, you know, see what it's all about and um, see if it doesn't make you feel a little bit better and, and start moving forward. Um, 
you know, on your path to your, to your own recovery. Mm. Well, we thank you so much for spending your time here today to help people to understand more about Gaminon and, and if it may be right for them. And, and thank you for sharing part of your personal story with us. That, that really means a lot to us. Um, and I, I, glad i'm proud of your recovery it's incredible i'm glad you're a person that's available for the next batch of people that come in and and need somebody that understands um and i just i wish you well on your journey thank you thank you and i appreciate you getting the word out to the people so awesome all right thank you christine all right thanks thank you you too bye-bye did you like this episode Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>